if you're not willing to create content going forward, I think it really narrows down your ability to pick the kind of career that you want. Like if you're an accountant, if you create content, you'll be better off than an accountant that does not because you'll have more opportunities within that group of people to do cool things that interest you, to talk about things that interest you. Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. There's a saying that floats around in the creative content and the marketing world. Just ship it. You can use this saying as advice, encouragement, or even as a kick in the butt to help someone get their work out into the open. Shipping is essentially publishing your work so that it can be found by anyone in the public, open for anyone to read, watch, listen to, or experience. The actual act of shipping something looks very different depending from person to person or project to project, but the mindset is shared by many creatives and professionals across many mediums. And while the idea might seem simple, the actual act of shipping can be one of the most difficult things you do. On today's episode, I'm speaking with someone who embodies this shipping mindset. His online portfolio of projects seems to keep growing every single day, and his ability to get work out the door continues to floor me. Join me live today on Top of Mind, I've got Blake Emmel. Thanks a lot for coming on, Blake. All right. Yeah, nailed it. Happy to be here. Excited for this one. I, I'm really pleased to talk, get to talk, op, get the opportunity to talk to you because you are on my Twitter feed and now LinkedIn, I see you kind of like moved on to that platform as well. You're just in my feed all day, every day. And it's pretty amazing that you have that many, I'm not going to say things to say, because I know we can get into kind of the, the actual tactics and you're very, you're very uh, open about how you have so much content out there, but it's just a really cool thing to see as someone who has a full-time day job but you just kind of put stuff out there day in, day out, is able to attract really cool stuff kind of day in, day out. Is that is that how it feels like from your end on the one doing the work? Well, first off, I want to say I'm sorry that I'm in your feed all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that I'm rotting your brain cells every single day. <laughs> For me, I, yeah, it's, I'm not the kind of person that can plan ahead very well. And so anything that comes into my mind, I got to put pen to paper pretty quickly and, Usually that stuff just kind of goes out. Uh, sometimes I'll schedule it, but uh, you know I've talked to people before that are like, "Oh, I've got my next four months scheduled out of my tweets." I'm like, "Are you crazy? Yeah, how's it possible?" I just have a <laughs> lot of stupid thoughts in my mind, and maybe the ones that you see are the ones that kind of click, and hopefully the ones that you don't see are you know you. Hopefully there are a lot that you don't see that are just uh, <laughs> bad tweets, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly creating content and juggling a lot of different things. But for me at this point, I've been podcasting and doing videos and tweeting and doing all this stuff for so long that it's just kind of hard to imagine not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm new to it. I've, I, this, this show is a year old actually this month, so it's still fresh for me and, and I'm still kind of learning the ins and outs. And so it's very cool to see other people being so open about sharing their tactics because it really makes that much easier for, for newbies. I'm curious though, is there, is there a time that you can 
recall when you first became aware of this concept of shipping? Because it's not necessarily known by everyone in every industry. It's very much like a creative and an artistic and and now kind of marketing has taken it on. Do you remember where that kind of came from or how you first heard about it? The first time that I ever logged on to product hunt was the first time that I ever came across that. They have, I don't know if they still have it, but they had like the shipping I know it's kind of like a separate account, uh, a way that you could set up as a creator or a shipper that uh, basically helped you along the process of that. And that's the first time I ever heard of that. And then there are tons and tons of marketers out there, Seth Godin, a bunch of other people that talk about this, that they, they've really coined the phrase shipping. You know, it's been around my mind for maybe three or four years now. For me, I never really think of things in terms of I've got to ship something. It's just, if I have an idea and Tim Ferriss talks about this too, but if you have an idea that is really worthwhile, you'll know it's worthwhile because you literally, you physically won't be able to continue your life without at least planning something out of it, like writing it down, doing mm-hmm. something about it. And that's very much how I am. So if I have an idea that I think is actually cool, I need to put it out as fast as I can, or I will literally go insane. That's pretty much how I, how I treat this stuff. And those, and I'm sure you also see like the stuff that doesn't go public. You probably have a lot of private notes as well that you take. And then, and if it kind of reoccurs and you keep seeing it like a bunch of times, then you're like, okay, well, this is an idea that I obviously need to kind of fl- put some more effort into towards and then put it out in the world because it just keeps kind of rattling around in your brain. I think you'd be really disappointed by my drafts folder. <laughs> <laughs> as, in, most- as in it's empty or it's crappy? It's empty. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I am not a big note taker. I wish that I were, but it's it's. I've tried all the different things. I've tried Notion and I've tried Rome and I've tried to organize my life and nothing works better than pen and paper for me for organizing stuff. But for ideas, it's uh, use it or lose it. I, I either start acting on it pretty quickly or I let it go. And that's the way that I've always approached it. And it's certainly not the right way to do it. Probably not the wrong way to do it either. It's probably somewhere in the middle, but that's, that's what works for me. So my drafts folder, my, my notes, it's pretty barren. Everything, everything basically makes its way out. And then the market decides if it's terrible or, or if it's decent. I think there's a little bit too much romanticizing of note taking and being like a personal note-taking machine i don't know about you but my my youtube algorithm literally only recommends notion tutorials and stuff like that Mm. trying to get me to become this monster robot that can just pump out notes all day yeah i mean i use notion and i i organize a lot of stuff in there but it's really scattered there is no rhyme or reason to it i wish that i cared enough to actually go through and like organize everything after the fact and you know rome is cool because you don't need to organize as much, but I just don't really take notes that much. (laughs) And uh, the whole second brain, the second brain thing, I think is cool to have that much. But even if I did take notes, I know that I'm never going to look back at them. I just not going to make the time to do that. So I mean, you've you made know. you make your notes public, which is in a lot of ways more valuable because now it's still there to look back. You can go through your Twitter feed and go back and be like, oh, I was thinking about that in like six months ago. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you can you recall like what the first project was that you you put out into the world? I, I don't know if that was like something digital or if it was written or maybe you could give me a little context about what where you were and I, you said around three years ago is when that shipping mindset kind of became something you were paying attention to. Do you recall what that first project was? 
Yeah. I spent like four years trying to learn how to code and trying to learn how to do marketing and trying all this stuff. And it was very much behind the scenes. And then maybe three or four years ago, I actually put something out and here, basically my strategy was I am going to post this thing somewhere that already has traffic so I can learn if people like it or not. Because if you post it where there's nobody, then you don't know if it's good or bad. So I decided, you know what? I'm just starting out with this thing. So I'm going to post it on Fiverr, which is not the world's greatest platform by any means. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, I built out just a, a simple gig where I would audit your website. And I still do that to this day. So it would be a, a full page audit of your website. I charged pretty aggressively for having not done it before. And I set it up on Fiverr because I knew that there was already traffic there. So within a few weeks, I still had basically nothing, but my account started getting more traction because I'd been on the platform longer and started showing to random people searching for website audit or website help, whatever it would be. And I started getting gigs. I started getting orders on that. And that basically validated that idea that this wasn't stupid, what I was doing. So I kept doing it and reiterating on it. And that was really the first project that I ever built out. And to this day, it's a little more sophisticated now. And I do a bunch of different types of reviews and audits across different platforms, but that's still something that I do. And the fact that it's kind of stayed the course through four years for me is pretty incredible because I am usually moving on to new things pretty quickly. That that was really the first instance, but that just started snowballing into a bunch of other things that I wanted to try out, most of which were terrible and failed. <laughs> Tell me about a, a failure that that you're willing to share. Well, even recently, so I've got this community now, but I tried maybe six months back to do a community and uh, nobody wanted to do it. So <laughs> that was a total failure. The first time I tried to set up a community. Also, a few months ago, I put out an adjacent product to the website audit offering, which was basically a Notion dashboard of your website's current user experience health. So it's just like a UX dashboard, tons of different metrics on where you stood with site speed and recommendations and how your user experience was set up. And I thought it was pretty good at an affordable price, but I only made a couple of sales and clearly people just weren't into it. So there are a lot of times where I'll get an idea that I think is really good because it's kind of related to something that's worked for me before. I'll put it out as quickly as I can. And then it's ultimately up to the market to decide if it sucks or if it's good. And for that one, it just didn't work out. For others, it has. It's cool to hear that you went from being the guy who would study as much as you could and learn how to code behind the scenes and learn how to market by reading books or however you were doing it without actually practicing, right? Or maybe practicing, but in a very slow I feedback loop. I was pra practicing in my job. Right. I was, you know, I was, I've, I've been in marketing for seven years. And so I've been doing that, but in terms of side hustles and being a creator, putting, shipping new products out into the world. Yeah. It, it took me like four years to do it. And yeah. And then, and then your feedback loop becomes crazy. Like you just mentioned, you had dozens of projects in three years, whereas you may have had maybe your company launched one or two things a quarter before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in, of those website audits at this point, I've done over probably 500 website, wow. website reviews for people so, and, and for some pretty big, big brands too. So that has really taken off and it's got a life of its own at this point. That's super cool. What, what, what's your self-talk like when a project flops like that? Like, I know you've, you've built up some, some stamina now that you've got some mm -hmm. successes under your belt, but if that first one, like the website audit on Fiverr had flopped, like your first time putting something out in the world, 
How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, my, I'm not a very self-conscious person. <laughs> so I don't really care. Usually if it doesn't work, I'm, I try to take that as, you know what, that it, it, that's saving me time having to continue on this thing, thinking there's a possibility it might work. If it, if it flops, I'm on to the next thing. I have no shortage of ideas. Back then when I started doing the Fiverr thing, after the first few weeks, it still didn't really have any orders. And then it started picking up little by little. And for the first few weeks, yeah, I mean, I didn't really want to quit because I wasn't doing anything anyway. It's not like it was costing me any extra time. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't getting orders. So I just waited around. And then once they started coming in, it worked. So for that instance, I, I'm not sure there's anything that really would have made me quit at that point because if it would have flopped, I would, eventually I would have just said, okay, nobody wants this thing and I would have moved on. But even, yeah, over time, I've built up more and more of a callus for sure to the point where now if tomorrow I had an idea and I I launched something and I got literal feed, like hate feedback that people hated the thing. <laughs> I'd be like, okay, all right, I'll scrap it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not that big of a deal because I, I used to get a little bit, I, I used to take things a little bit more personally. And now I realize they're not knocking down my door with torches and pitchforks. When I put something out that people don't like just being, having the understanding that literally nobody cares about you that much. I know that sounds harsh, but when, when I'm looking through my calendar during the day, like right now I'm looking at my work calendar, it's back-to-back meetings all day, every day. At no point today did I think, man, I wonder when Matt Kobach is going to tweet. I've never thought of that. I don't care if, if I like Matt Kobach and if he tweets, I'll look at it and I'll respond, but it's just not like people really overestimate how much other people think about them. And that to me was actually comforting because if I flop, am I just going to like lose all my followers and people will hate me? Of course not. They don't care. They aren't, they're thinking about themselves right now. They're thinking about their, their kids and their families and what they're going to eat for dinner. So having that mindset is, is huge for me. Just realizing, yeah, I might be doing some cool stuff, but I'm not that important. And, and other people are just living their lives just like me. There was a quote in James Clear's newsletter today that is similar to that saying, if you worry about kind of getting hate, think about an individual person, not this cloud of of negative followers or whatever you, however you want to imagine it. Because when you think of them as just a cloud of people, you're like, oh my God, they, whoever yeah. they is, are going to hate me. But if you think about, oh, that, in, that one follower of mine, Blake, who sent the negative thing, like, will Blake hate me if I write something that's weird? He doesn't, he's not going to hate me. Like when you think about an individual as being the recipient of your work, it becomes way less personal. It's more like, no, that just wasn't very good. And Blake had a lot of things on his mind that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've received comments from people that are just like, Hey, this is a bad take. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. I'll walk <laughs> yeah. it back. That's fine. Like I'm, I'm okay being wrong because over time it, it becomes increasingly more important for me to not care about being right just care more about getting it right or being the right type of person. If I care about being right all the time and that's what I attribute my value to, well, like the best creators out there still flop 90% of the time if they're lucky. So if my value is attached to that, then I've got like a 10% value out of a hundred percent total, which yeah. is terrible. That And that's just not true. The, the val- that's not what the value is attached to at all. Speaking of speaking of takes, I've got a take that I saw online that I, I'd love to 
run by you and see what your thoughts are on it. I haven't really kind of digested it yet either, but it's this idea that content creators are kind of the new wave of, maybe you'll remember a couple of years ago when, when everyone was yelling that everyone needs to learn how to code. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the trend. It was like, oh my God, if you don't know how to code, you're going to be worthless in the marketplace pretty soon. And so now that the, I've only heard this a few times, but the new idea is like everyone is a content creator. If you don't create content, you're going to be, you're not, you're never going to get a job. You're never going to get hired, all those things. I was wondering kind of what your, your opinion is on that. If you've ever given that any thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of different thoughts on that, but I'll go this way first. There are still a lot a lot, a lot of traditional companies out there that do not like content creators. So at least until those companies die in multiple decades from now, they're, they're going to be people that have jobs. I think there's a lot of truth in the, in the sense that everyone should learn to code. Everyone should create content. That's true. Generally, it can't hurt you to, to have those, those skills and people should do that. I think you're not, risking never being able to get a job if you don't create content going forward. What you're risking is what's happened to a lot of our parents and our grandparents where they get stuck in careers that they don't care about. You know, I've definitely got a lot of people in my life that do work because they need money to support a family. And that's it. That's where, that's where work stops. It starts and stops there. There's no value to it to them. It's not something that they want to talk about outside of work. There's no skill set that it's really building. It's just there to support for the family. That's it. End of story. If you're not willing to create content going forward, I think it really narrows down your ability to pick the kind of career that you want. Like if you're an accountant, if you create content, you'll be better off than an accountant that does not because you'll have more opportunities within that group of people to do cool things that interest you to talk about things that interest you. But like, if, if you just never create content, especially like the generation before us and the generation before that, these younger kids, if they're, if they're not down to code and to create content, they'll still have jobs, but I'm guessing that they'll probably not be super happy with the whole career when they look at the, at at the end of it back. Hmm. That's yeah. That's that's interesting because I, it, it's it's been helpful for me both to learn and get into a new industry and to get jobs and but it also helps me to learn faster and and explore things and meet people like full on meeting people online is this mm-hmm. is the the coolest thing ever when you all of a sudden you can be selective with who you're networking with like that is a seriously underrated part of this whole uh, online creator space that I personally, that's where I get my most value because I live in, in a tiny spot. So it's not really like the, the epicenter of anything. And so getting to chat with you from across the world is like, how else, like, that's insane. How else would that be able to happen? Yep. Yeah, yeah no, for sure. Like I've always treated my podcasts and videos and everything as just a way for me to talk to people that I think could teach me something. And I try to ask questions that I think are interesting Usually that'll align with my, what my audience thinks is interesting too. So that helps, but I'm never asking a question that I've crowdsourced before or that I've like read online is, Hey, interview, good interview questions. Yeah, exactly. for marketing. <laughs> like I've never asked those questions because I already know the answer or I know what they're going to say and yeah. it's really not going to be helpful. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask them like weird stuff. 
And that's super helpful to see how somebody like me, but in a different spot, a different place, different company, different position, how they are different in how they would answer those weird questions is so telling. And I, I mean, I totally agree with you. This pillar content as a platform to meet cool people that you never would be able to is super powerful. Speaking of, of, failures and flopping i tried to crowdsource questions for this interview and i got zero replies so it happens to everyone (laughs) now Um, it's probably probably more of a reflection on me than you (laughs) no man you're uh you're everywhere so but it's all good it's all good these are questions i wanted to ask you too like i had the questions the crowdsourcing is more just another form of content Mm -hmm. you put out a really cool one it's kind of like a one pager that has like dozens and dozens of categories of content types. You're specific to Twitter. I think that's kind of the platform you shine on. You were breaking it down saying like, look, being in like making content isn't that hard. Here are prompts for you. Here's 12 prompts that have endless answers to each one of them. It was like, make a list, make a ask a question, mention a person, give a quote. Like it content is everywhere. And it's just a matter of kind of noticing it and taking that extra effort of like, oh, that's a cool quote in a book. Mm. I'm just never going to look at that again to that extra step of, oh, that's a cool quote in my book. I'm going to pull up my phone and just type it in, not get distracted about Twitter. Just type it in and hit the birdie icon and it's in goes to cyberspace and tells other cool people about it. I found that very helpful that you put that out and I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that, that was a fun one to write. And honestly, the, the formulas out there to succeed in terms of copywriting and, you know, video, all the social platforms, the, the formulas are out there. The variable that is missing for a lot of people is just being an interesting person. And everyone's like, well, teach me the secret to growing a following. I'm like, well, I don't really know. All I know is some, sometimes things work for me because sometimes I have interesting things to say, but when I don't have something interesting to say, Twitter tells me by not liking and engaging with my stuff. And then I learn from that and I get a little bit better every single day. The, the formulas are there, but it's how you patch things in with your own personality that makes all the difference. And also how you engage back with people that take time out of their day. Do you take time out of your day again to respond to those people that are willing to comment on your, on your tweets or comment on your posts, wherever you're, you're posting, you have to be an interesting person. Yeah. You have to have interesting thoughts. And that's not something that can be taught. Obviously I can't teach you charisma. Can't teach <laughs> you how to be a good copywriter in terms of like how to be an interesting person or, or a likable person. You have to be you and whatever the crowd is that likes that person will, will come to you eventually if you keep putting out content. And that's a huge reason. What, everything that I've just said right there, a huge reason why prolific quantity of content is so important. You have to put a portfolio together of thousands of terrible posts to learn what kind of sticks. It's like throwing spaghetti against a wall. Sometimes it's going to stick. Sometimes, most of the time it's not. You have to figure out what were the little elements that worked there. What was that part of my personality that sparked interest that actually got some engagement? And then make sure you go back and engage with those people and thank them for their time by continuing the conversation. That's the stuff that gets lost in all that. Like the formatting is cool. That'll help a little bit. Designing your post to look nice, writing it well, that all helps. 
But the real heart of it all is, do you have your soul in the tweet? Like, can people tell that's a Blake tweet? That's a Mm. John tweet or a Melissa tweet, you know, like, can people tell that that's you? And when you get to that point is when there's really nothing you can do to fail at that point. And what you're also saying too, is you're not going to be able to have your personality in your messages at the beginning because you haven't put out the volume to find your voice yet. Usually, usually, yes. Usually when you start writing on social media, you think you're doing a good job and you think, oh, well, I already feel kind of good about where I'm at just starting out. I promise that you're terrible. (laughs) And I promise that when you look back a year from now, if you've posted like every single day, you're going to think you're so freaking robotic with, with the early posts. And it's taking the robot out of the post and putting in the person that takes a long time. And there's nothing really that can teach you how to do that except kind of just writing a ton, looking at what other people are doing. And then honestly, what's done it for me is seeing people that are robotic and finally having it click like, oh my gosh, is that what I sound like? That's (laughs) terrible. Like being able to see real examples of other people helps you realize what you're doing yourself. And if you can be aware of that and be okay, just putting out tons and tons of content and learning 1% every single day, if you can, that's, that's the formula. And then maybe six years from now, you'll have 10,000 Twitter followers and everything you say is gold. But until then, just find joy in sharing your ideas. And that's, that's it. That's where it ends. The end goal right now, if you're just starting, the end goal is not 10K followers. It's get to a place where you just like tweeting. And you can't imagine a day where you don't put something out there because you like it. If you can get to that place and keep going, eventually you'll figure things out. Mm, love that. Like love the process, not the outcome really. Absolutely. What do you think the best content creators, what do they understand about this industry? And I'm going to use industry super loosely here because no one, mm-hmm. we're not, in the, no one's in the same industry in this case. It's just more like you all do a same practice, like a YouTuber and a podcaster and a tweeter are all in the same quote unquote industry, but not at all at the same time. But what do the best content creators understand about what's what's happening right now that other people are just missing completely? Yeah. So the good ones understand trends and uh, they understand formatting and you know what works generally. The great ones, like the really, really great ones, there are two things that set those people apart. Number one is that they're interesting, like I mentioned. Number two is that they give stuff away for free. That's it. Those are, those are That's the two-part formula to being a great content creator. If people think you're interesting and care about what you have to say for whatever reason, and let me preface this by saying, nobody on this planet should care what I have to say. I'm not entitled to that at all. No one should care about what Stuart has to say. You are just another human being, just like all of us. We're all on the same playing field. Everything that anyone that pays attention to you is such a freaking blessing and so huge because they don't owe you anything. You've never done anything for them that, and even if you have, like life is not about, I give you something, you give me something in return. It's never one-to-one. That's just not how it actually works. Nobody owes you anything. If you can be okay with that, then we can move on to that, the, the actual formula. So be interesting and then giving stuff away for free. And when I say give stuff away for free, 
doesn't have to be like, you know, you don't have to do a, a giveaway for a MacBook every day. <laughs> I know that we're not all rich. <laughs> you don't have to give away uh, super long eBooks every day for free. Give something, whatever you're thinking that you can give away, try to double that. Just whatever it is, whether it's, you know, here's a thought that I have that I think could be valuable. How could I take it to the next level and package it so that somebody could use it multiple times? Sometimes a tweet is not enough. So maybe I'll tweet something that I, you know, a piece of advice that I want to give away for free, quote unquote, but I'll actually create like an air table out of it with tons of information about, you know, so maybe I want to go over my tech stack instead of, you know, that's valuable information. Here are all the tools that I use for podcasting. If you're looking to start a podcast, that's valuable. How do I double that value? I could create a spreadsheet that has everything, has all the links, has all the pricing, has everything you could possibly want, who it's for, who it's not for, pros and cons. I could do the research for people and give that away for free. And it's a lot more work, but guess what? People know me as the guy that did a lot of work for them for free instead of just the guy that tweeted something that they'll forget instantly. So that's that's just an example. Like whatever you're tw- talking about, whatever you're posting, whatever you're building, as much as you can give away for free, do it. Mm-hmm. It may not look right now like like you may think I need to monetize because I need to pay my rent and all. And I totally get that stuff. But honestly, if you just give away like 99.9% of it away for free, the audience you're going to build will be at least 10 times bigger, which allows you to have way more leverage the moment that you do need to ask for the help or need to ask them to buy something from you as opposed to selling to 10 people. You might be able to sell to 100. Your point about packaging is really smart there because you do a great job. I think you I think you might have a little design background or or that user experience kind of knowledge so you know how to make stuff look good, but even just the simplicity of it and having it all in one place, like that is that counts for something. Like the thought it's the, the thought is okay but the presentation really like brings it to the next level. And I think that's something that I've also started paying attention to is the, my favorite creators all have a sense have an aesthetic around their brand that is just so unique and you see it over and over again. And then you just really value that whether the content's that great or not, like all of a sudden their, mm-hmm. their, their, their design has more value. Yeah. Thank you. I put a lot of effort into, into my design and that's something that I've tried to learn over the years, but it's, I think it's it's really the packaging, like you mentioned, is is a really important part of this because it's easy for me to tweet out something that is quote unquote valuable, but it's not easy for me to build something for you and to give it to you as a gift. And when you do things that are clearly not easy for people, that's when they take notice. If somebody like if a family member for Christmas or whatever holiday you're you're celebrating, if they give you a gift and it's uh, a card, that's nice. It took two seconds. It's it's kind of thoughtful. It's nice. Or or maybe they like tweeted at you for Christmas. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Uh, this 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 Christmas as, as opposed <laughs> right as opposed to me like putting together some really thoughtful package and handing it to you. It doesn't have to cost anything really. Mm-hmm. It could have been something I made for free with my own hands, but what gets your attention more? Mm-hmm. Is it the the tweet or the card that maybe took 30 seconds or is it the, you know, I the little wooden horse that I chiseled for free and it doesn't look good, but now it's yours forever to hold in your hand. 
what what makes more of an impact and you have to think real world examples translating into digital examples and this this is definitely one of them like you can't just expect your tweets to be enough you have to give people i'll reiterate this people just don't care about you they care about what you can do for them and if you just internalize that every with what you're creating, if you ask, okay, is this tweet really about me or is it about me giving something away? If it's about me, delete it. Don't put it in your drafts, delete it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if, and if it's about giving something away, tweet it, post it, see what happens. Maybe it still may flop. That's okay though, because at least the things that you're putting out, it's not like, Hey, give me, I'm, I want to be selfish. I want followers you can ask for followers and it's not, it doesn't have to be selfish because people know. Yeah. But he, you know, he may be asking for a follow, but he gives away a lot of stuff for Mm -hmm. free. So, you know, there's ways to do that. And I, I guess I'll, I'll shut up there because I've been rambling. (laughs) No, but you've been giving, you've been giving us stuff. That's what it's all about. (laughs) No, that's a, that's, that's a great way of putting it. That's, and it, it is, it is a tension there where some people are in this game to monetize They're trying to, build a course, whatever, trying to sell products, trying to promote their consulting. And then there's other people who are in it for the craft and they're doing it for no other reason other than they get enjoyment out of it now. And and we mentioned a few of the other reasons why you and I are both doing it. And it makes a big difference. Like you can tell in their tone, in their presentation, like everything about it. People are getting smart about like people, some people are making serious careers out of being a creator. But it came from a place of of giving away it for, at, for free at the beginning. Like they didn't get that big asking people to buy their $3,000 course right away. <laughs> and so you have to notice that. But then the people who start monetizing way too early are like, oh, dude, like to your point, if you could 10x the amount of people who you could sell to by just kind of putting in that extra effort of not having to monetize and not promoting yourself early on, I think it would make a lot of difference. There's certainly a lot of, like, I, I also want to say, I know that that's not the only way to go. This yeah. works This works for me. And there are people out there that put courses out and they're able to sell them really well, even with a small audience and it pays for their lifestyle. I applaud that. Like that's, that, that's good. Yeah. I, I like that. But for me, I think of the opportunity of like, would I rather just put in work for 10 years and then 10 years from now be known as the person for this thing? And I could basically have whatever opportunity I want, mm-hmm. or would I rather cash in right now and have a comfortable lifestyle because I'm selling a course? But you got to realize also when you're creating content that you're that people are paying for, your job is twofold now. You're you're no longer really a marketer anymore. You're a salesperson and a customer support rep. So before they beforehand, before they buy the course, you got to keep convincing people, new people, to buy the course. And then once they do buy it you have to be a customer service rep for the rest of time until you decide to shut the course down. So if you're willing to do that and that's the life you want, go for it. You you can do that. For me, I don't I don't want to do that. I I don't want to do customer service. I just want to be a good person up front and just have that be the community. So for me, my community is not going to be as organized as some of the other ones. It's not going to have a paywall. There's going to be a lot of things that are are not as great about it but I'm going to be in it and posting new content for free and giving a lot of way that I think is really valuable. And I'm doing it on my time. I don't have to worry about 
tackling customer service requests because everything is free. So that that's what works for me. And then down the road, you know, there's still, of course, there are ways to monetize. And that's still the goal. You don't want to just make $0 forever. So maybe I can sell sponsorships and, and ads and, and whatnot in the in the newsletter. But there, there are all kinds of ways that you can do this. And there's no one right way, no no wrong way, really. The, what, the only wrong way is if you're doing it completely selfishly. You mentioned 10 years there. Is that actually your time horizon that you're thinking about as you start do as you do this work? Do you have a time horizon that you're thinking about? No, I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> I don't know what year it is. So <laughs> I'm the wrong person to ask about time restraints. <laughs> well, I don't mean it as like you want to get someplace by a certain time, but but I think your mindset is yeah. your your default unit of measurement is years, not weeks. Like you're putting years of effort towards building yeah. out your thing, whatever that's going to be. But it, and you think in years rather than in like, oh, I'll just do this for a couple months and then hopefully I can cash out. Yeah. Now, now it's like that. I, I'm still a pretty impatient person. And like starting out in my career, I certainly wanted things to go a lot faster. But then I realized that the more patient I was, the, the more surprised I was at how quickly things started happening. So uh, I think that's, Definitely a skill to that I've had to learn is just being okay, waiting for sure. And it's it's actually been a huge benefit to me, but it's not something I'm inherently good at. Now I think, yeah, okay, maybe, you know, maybe 10 years from now I could have X thing or or have Y audience, but I'm I'm a little bit more concerned now with just being in the moment, being good at what I do. And if I, if I can do that and make sure another part of that is just making sure that I'm going to stick to it. There are a lot of projects that I've started and then given up on quit, whatever you want, however you want to say it. Cause I just, I wasn't in it. And I wish that I had realized that before I started those things, but I didn't in a lot of cases. Now I'm getting better at just saying no to things that I don't feel I could go all in on right away. And that, that certainly helped. I'll wrap things up here with one more question so you can get back to, to killing it out there. But who are some creators that, that you admire and get inspiration from that haven't yet gotten the attention that you think they deserve? If any come to mind. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, there are tons of them. And I'm trying to interview them for my podcast too, because I'm trying to give a platform. Like People people are building audiences of all shapes and sizes and not not every audience needs to be 100,000 people. So there, there are a lot of people out there like Christina Garnett is is great. I just interviewed her. Jamie Russo is, is great. Alexa Heinrich is fantastic. There, there are all kinds of people that I think are doing a really good job creating content. There are also a lot of people in my life that don't create content at all. And I think that that's just absolutely stupid. And I wish, I wish that they really would because they're really smart people. I, I would say more so than me just like giving you recommendations on who to go follow right here. I mentioned a couple of them, but I think it's really important for me to say, follow people that have 600 followers. Um, it's okay. They're not bad tweeters. They're probably just getting started and trying to figure out their voice. And the follower count has almost nothing to do with the quality of the person behind the account. There are a lot of accounts that have 100K followers that are terrible content. It's just like, what, this is nonsense. This is a platitude every day that doesn't help me whatsoever. And I think it actually becomes harder the bigger you get to keep making great content. So a lot of the times, the best stuff you're going to see out there is from people with under a thousand followers because 
they're in the weeds every single day trying to figure out their voice and what works. And it's way more real. The fact of the matter is people with 50,000 followers don't have to worry if their tweet is going to get it, is going to make it mm-hmm. because it's, it's going to get a couple hundred likes regardless of how terrible it is. But you know, people that have 600 followers, it takes a ton to get 10 likes. Like your, your first 10 like posts on Twitter is so hard (laughs) and people that can get to that point with small followings, attach yourself to those people most of the time, better than the big follows. I really appreciate you taking the time here, Blake. And if you're listening and you want to go check out what Blake's building and there's always new things, 20 plus projects and counting, check them out on Twitter. I think it's the best place for you uh, at Mm -hmm. UX Blake, the letter UX Blake. Yeah, man. And then also check out uh, creatorkit.in is your yeah. is that community you're building up, right? Yeah. it's Right now it's hosted on Substack, but it is a community. And my goal is for every piece of content in the community to be worthy of premium content, a premium content label. So in theory, everything that's in there should be good enough for somebody to pay for to read. But the, the catch is that I ask you to read it for free. So if you're willing to do that instead of pay me and do it for free, then you'll be a great fit. It's uh, it's great for anybody trying to build an audience, trying to build out a project. Basically, any way that I can help you spread your ideas, I'm there to help. Amazing. Thanks so much, Blake. This has been awesome. No, I appreciate it. It was, it was fun to talk to you. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard you're going to absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm going to share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real-life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.